and welcome to Pretend to Imagine, a weekly podcast with Tyler and Greg. Tonight's topics include the recorder and some music for the podcast. That's right. I think we'll we'll uh, we'll be adding yeah. more music as time goes on. Yeah. But for now, the, the we'll start with the lowly. The lowly. We started with the with the hurting. Which we did. Pretty kick-ass but, instrument. But the lowly recorder, we'll find out it's Maybe not that find, lowly. Find it's, it's not, not so lowly. Uh, we have uh, another tip from Doctor Smith. Uh, we have a discussion about Penzik and the SCA. Correct. Society for Creative Anachronism. Uh, and then uh, some uh, do's and don'ts about uh, our diet as, a, as, a, as, a, as an intro. Mostly As an appetizer. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Do as we say, not as we do. Exactly. Well, uh, here we are again after eating too much food. No, we haven't eaten too much uh, food Yeah, time. let's see now. I, I recall seeing two chocolate-covered pretzels and two warm hot chocolate chip cookies go down. On well, your end. Yeah. We we have we really have to stop ordering what's the name of the Insomnia company? Insomnia Cookies. Insomnia Cookies. Now, this is a real company, so they It's it's a dangerous company. They they you dial them up like pizza and they and 20 they, minutes later they, they hand deliver hot handmade freshly baked cookies in, to your door in a pizza box. In a pizza box. And yeah. uh, the problem is is uh, of course they're open until 3 a.m. And, uh, you know, if you're sitting there cramming for your all-nighter and you just need hot cookies. Now, we have mentioned insomnia before, but we did it this time, partly because, if I recall, Megan said, hey, by the way, guys, if you get insomnia cookies, save one for me. Yeah. So I think that kind of pushed me over the edge to say, all right, let's keep... It was keep. sort of like the, the approval. It's okay. Yeah, it was like, it's cookies. Yeah, because <laughs> normally we feel guilty for eating cookies, it's, but when my wife says, bring me back a cookie, then it's... It's, the, it's okay. Yeah, it's as long okay. as another person benefits, it's all right for us to feed our faces with warm, hot cookies. So, you yep. know, that's... Uh, did you enjoy my, my chocolate-covered pretzels? I, did you like those? I like the chocolate-covered pretzels. Yeah, they're, pretty, they're good, yeah. Good. So, uh, once again, although we did not go for a, a large uh, feeding at an Italian restaurant, um, you know, I, I was at uh, Greg's, not Greg's restaurant. He doesn't own it. It's a, it's called Greg's. I don't know. Greg's restaurant. Yeah, there's a restaurant. It's a, it's a local chain. Unrelated to me. There's a restaurant and, called Greg's. It's all and, the old people eat. Well, I go there at four thirty for the prime rib special. <laughs> you, know, you know, I totally expect you, you that. You can see that. I get. I beat the crowd. Okay, mm. I get in there. I see Mr. and Mrs. Ferguson. They sit. They sit in the booth so opposite. We, me. I, I went to Greg's with my wife one time. And yeah. The, and the the. The air conditioning was up very high. It was today. Yeah. It, and yeah. So I, I go, Megan, it's cold in here. And she says, it keeps the old people fresh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Did you, uh, to quote Jerry Seinfeld, he goes, all these old people, they move down to Florida where it's warm and then they huddle inside at 65 degrees air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh so, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, uh, I think we're a little bit better off tonight than we were last week because last yeah. week it was definitely food coma time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they would uh, they would feed us uh, in residency uh, for more uh, for for uh, sorry for uh, noon conference noon conference. Everyone would stop working. You go down to the conference room, and there'd be a guy or a gal or somebody talking about some medical thing. Sometimes it was one of us where we would go up and present something, or sometimes it was a visiting doctor. This is a know. controversial thing that they. That no, no, no. This was part of the. So many people. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of like when a when a. a, a oh, drug sponsor, reps. Drug, oh, no, 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 no. That has not, nothing to do with that. So, so basically, um, what it was was many people don't understand this. When you're a resident, you are still technically a student. You actually have to fulfill educational activities and, and uh, you know, show that you're learning and you have to take tests. I mean, you're actually still a student. So not only have you gone through, you know, let's say 12 years of school, four years of uh, college, four years of med school, and then another three years, uh, which I think you take, I think it takes you to what, the 23rd grade? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, 20, I went to the yeah. 23rd grade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, but it was crazy because, you know, there'd be these sleep deprived residents and you'd feed them, you know, like a big 
tuna on a bagel. And this guy would start droning on and on about the Cytochrome P450 induction system <laughs> that we're using. Everyone's in these new, and it, it, Nothing but snoring as far as the actual, <laughs> you know, everyone was just out like a light. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, that it's called postprandial syncope. That's the technical term, which we, of course, call food coma. And so uh, have, you ex- have you experienced food coma? I, that's how I know I'm, that I'm done eating. Right. You, you start to nod off. My breathing is restricted. Right. And I'm drowsy. That's yeah. how I know that yeah. I'm, I'm full. Like right now, your eyes are half open. That you're you're looking. So at they did a, a study. So I'm a big guy. So I, I I you know I'm not gigantic, but I'm a big guy. And I so I, I pay attention to studies on, on on weight and food. And there was a study done. And I'm going to butcher this explaining this study. But Good. basically, they took a room full of fat people. Yeah. And they took a room full of normally proportioned people. Yes. And they put them in two separate rooms, and uh, they fed them. Wait, they fed the thin people to the fat no, people? No, 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 no. Did we talk about this before? I, I, don't I felt know. like you made the exact same joke. <laughs> I don't think so, but I mean... Anyway. All right, well, anyway, so if we have repeated this before, we apologize. It's probably not the first time. So they put these two groups, fat people in one room and normal people in a okay, separate room. sure. And then they would feed them during the, you know, when it was, you know, lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, yeah. And the thing was, uh, they sped up the clocks. Oh, okay. So... What happened was when the food was brought out for the fat people an hour early. So instead of bringing it out at lunchtime, it was eleven o'clock. It was eleven sure. o'clock. Okay, yeah, yeah. The fat people I follow ate all you. The, they fat people ate all the food. Okay. When they brought the food out to the skinny people, they just kind of picked at it and pushed it around so and waited until they until okay. later on when they felt hungry. So you're saying that basically hunger is for the heavy people at least is actually like a visual cue when they see food in front of them or they smell it or whatever it is absolutely and then that causes them to eat whereas yeah. as opposed to the thin people all my life just, people you know. come up to me greg are you hungry i immediately look at my watch okay yeah i, I I'm, I'm like is it time to eat okay which has nothing to do with am i the question was am i hungry and you say is and it i'm time? looking is, is it, it time, time to eat, eat? well then, then there's a second issue which actually touches on tonight um now i had a big dinner i uh, i had a, a barbecue bacon cheeseburger uh, I had fries. I had coleslaw. You know, and I as a doctor, this is good. as a doctor, this is, this is terrible. This is I would do as I say, not as I do. But anyway, um, so so I ate all that. So then we got our insomnia cookies, and that brings up the, <laughs> the and that brings up no, but in, in all seriousness, that brings up the concept of hyperpalatability. Hyperpalatable foods are foods that taste so good that the deep, ancient, primal part of your brain that says this food is so good we got to get it into chase manhattan as fast as possible before like a vulture eats it kicks in and you eat it even when you're not hungry and you don't care you enjoy it even though you're not hungry and and there are many restaurants that trade on this uh things like chilies and the 99 they they make these foods that are a mixture of salt and sweet and savory and burritos and, and chicken parm and people just keep eating the stuff, and you could eat it well past being full. Uh, Chocolate-covered pretzels. When you mix two tastes so that you start it with sweet and then it switches to salt, all of a sudden you've reset your dopamine system. You know you know dopamine, mm. right? So when you, when you reward yourself, you get a little surge of dopamine. That's what makes you feel so good when you get a reward. Well, when you eat, say, cherries, you know, and you, you get a dopamine surge. It tastes great. You're enjoying it, right? Well, if you eat cherries every night for six days, all of a sudden the dopamine starts getting less and less and less. However, the one place that dopamine doesn't degrade is sweets. So each time you eat something sweet, you pump dopamine, okay? And, you know, when you do these these hyperpalatable foods, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter whether you're full or not. Yeah, I, I always consider myself as not 
having a sweet tooth. I have a carb carb tooth. Yeah, starch tooth. Starch starch tooth. Starch so tooth, yeah. breads and pastas yeah, sure. uh, till the cows come home. But potatoes not too, not too and, much into the sweets. Huh? Mm, no, I don't really crave I, I used to candy have a, bars or ice cream or anything like that. I used to be very salt driven. That was like what I liked to eat. Oh salt. my god! So uh, when we go to the pub, yeah, every Tuesday, yeah, when you leave. You yeah. usually leave leave earlier. I leave most earlier. Yeah. When when Susan, who's the, our waitress, yeah. when she takes your little placemat away, yeah. there is a dark spot where your placemat was, the, and then beyond yeah. the edge border of the placemat, salt. Well, you know everywhere. What, you know what I say about there salt. There is like this salt this is haze. What, this is what I here. say about salt. Okay, one salt, it does a body good. <laughs> Jesus. Two, for best results, salt till till it crunches. Three, if you can't see it, it's not there. <laughs> that's my. You're a that's, terrible doctor. That's my you rule of thumb awful, with salt. It's awful. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember when I had the high blood pressure problem and I like was not eating? Have you seen me as miserable as I was eating my coleslaw instead of fries? So, with so you had high blood pressure. It turns out actually it was being tested wrong. And when I went and had it formally done by a high blood pressure specialist, he's like, no, it's fine. Your blood pressure is fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Oh my God. Thanks, Doc. You will never get it tested again. I'll never get, that's right. I'm, I'm, I've got carte blanche now. As long now. as you never as long get as it I never tested go back, again, you're fine. Exactly. It's just, that's how all medicine works. Oh you know, as long as you, God. you know, it's like if you get a one colonoscopy, you never need it. Wait, now hold on. This is this is wrong. So I'm not gonna, you know, kidding, folks. Just kidding. You've got to get your colonoscopy every every ten years. <laughs> Five if you have polyps. So anyway, uh, I heard uh, you're going to Penzik. Oh, we're gonna do Pensick. We've well, teased not, it. We've not teased necessarily, it but I mean, we can we can talk about Pensick. You know, I, I mean, there's one thing though. I I understand. Well, let's do Pensick because we, yeah. Okay, let, let me just start off though. So my understanding is that many people at Pensick are in the Society for Creative Creative Anachronism. Society okay. for Creative Anachronism. Now I was thrown out. <laughs> They no, threw weren't. me out. Let me tell you what happened, okay? So I, I have this friend. He's in the SCA, right? And I'm talking to him, and I'm like, okay, this sounds pretty neat. Everybody gets together. You dress up in period costume, and, and you know, there's some D&Ders who sometimes are in there. They don't necessarily do LARPing, but, you know, they dress up. Right? So I say, great. So when when is the next um, meeting? Because, well, the meeting's going to be Saturday. It's at 2 o'clock, uh, you know, over in the park. Why don't you come by? So I showed up, and the dirty looks I got. And the, the head scratching and the the the, the shaking of heads. The what were you what were you wearing? I was wearing my full suit of Master Chief Army from Halo. <laughs> uh, now that's all right. So you're kidding. You're that's kidding. anachronistic. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that doesn't so. belong, right? No. I mean, so, wait, so the Society for Creative Anachronism. So that's just a silly story. But the Society for Creative Anachronism, the SCA, which is very serious, which is very serious, which I am a casual member of. Okay, I, yeah. I I come to. Do you wear the, the special S underwear? I, I do wear the special <laughs> underwear. I wear uh, 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 chosses and braids and a coif. Okay. That's the special underwear. Okay, fair right. Enough. So, but um, truthfully, that that's what that it is. really is. Uh, okay, so, um, the SEA is the Society of Creative Anachronism. So, you, um, it's a group of people that are interested in studying medieval and Renaissance history. Yes. So, anytime yeah. from about 580 to about 1600 AD, anything that happened in that time period, and they do. Sort of like a reenactment. If you've ever been to Civil War or Revolutionary yeah, sure, War sure. reenactor, oh, I, I just you know, I had many friends in the SCA in college, yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So the difference between the SCA and the reenactors is the reenactors tend to do it for an audience. Now they have their rendezvous and they have their they have their their events where they all go camping together in there. But the SCA, ha there's no audience mm, for the SCA. Sure, there's sure. no public. It's just you know, people getting together. You, they get together and. Um, 
they so, sometimes they'll do exhibitions. Uh, they get together and they they study. Um, uh, you know, medieval things, and they immerse themselves in it. Now, I came to it because I enjoyed Renaissance fairs, and then I had a business where I was selling um, instruments, musical instruments at Renaissance fairs. My wife was selling stained glass. Yep. And a lot of the people we knew uh, were going to this event called Penzik. Um, so we we went to the event, went to the event a couple times, and then we started to vend and sell the instruments at, at, at Penzik. Um, so the interesting thing about Penzik is you study and learn about medieval history in a very immersive way. So the way that I look at it is if you are a history buff, you can read about history. Yeah. If you are really into um, history and you want to go one step further, you can make something uh, the way that they made it. So you, can, you, can, you can study, say, medieval woodworking, woodworking. blacksmithing. You can read about it. How yeah. do they do joinery? How do they do, right. do yes. woodworking? Sure. You can read about it. And then the next step is, well, now I'm going to take those early techniques and I'm going to make something. Yeah. Okay. Then the next thing is, well, now I'm going to use that thing. Uh-huh. Not just make it and put it on a shelf, but yeah. now I'm going to use it. You know, so somebody who studies like early leather or, or costume making, they're right. going to study the, the technique, they're going to make the costume, then they're going to live in that costume right. or costumes that okay. they make for a week, which is much now, more immersive. Now, is it a week or is it more than a it's week? Penzik is two weeks. It's two weeks. Okay. Two so, weeks and there's so several other events throughout the year that are I very see. similar. Okay. So Penzik is, is 12,000 people. Wow. That camp at this giant campground in, in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, and uh, it's like medieval Burning Man. It's kind of, well, it, SCA people will hate that you said that, <laughs> but at night that is not completely, completely untrue. untrue. Um, and somebody's phone just went off. Uh, oh, my uh, my phone just thought I said, um, "Hey Siri." Really? Which it just heard me say that and popped on again. So. Uh, yep. she, she's got so, quite a nerve. Yeah, so uh, sorry about that. So um, that's the SCS. 12,000 people camping, and then you, when you show up, you you camp in a group, and your group's camp may now, be themed. Now, uh, I, I've had discussions with you about this before, and it, it always surprised me that there appear to be actual factions and uh, yeah, yeah, cliques yeah. and quote-unquote families and correct, clans correct, correct. and all these things within Penzo. So I came with Usgard, which is the uh, a New York faction. There's um, a camp, the Ravenspittle, and there's, uh, trying to think of some other camps, there's, there's a Japanese camp, medieval Japanese camp. So when yeah. you go into their camp, it's walled off with sheet walls, like poles in the ground, and yeah. they have these decorated sheets that, and you go in there, and yeah. most of the people in there are trying to make an attempt at some sort of Japanese kind of uh, clothing. Yeah. Okay. There's a Viking camp and there's a Roman camp. Okay, and that's, that's there's, cool. there's Renaissance camps and, and you know, Polish camps and everything. So Is there, uh, are there um, like Australopithecines, uh, <laughs> no, Neanderthals, Cro-Magnons? That's too early. 500 AD. Oh, okay. That's as far back as you can go. Okay, 600 right. So um, that's, the, that's the period. Um, so they also have... So but, what are your plans this year? So this year, when I go... Oh, so they do... Two main things that Penzik that happens at Penzik that that I that well I'm not going to say that I do them but there's combat so they do yeah. so it's a combat where they'll have literally one thousand people at one end of the battlefield dressed in full plate mail armor yeah. like very expensive armor yeah. you know that they're these people are replica armor and one thousand people on the other side of the battlefield also wearing armor. And the field marshal waves his flag, and these two armies come together like Braveheart. Be- because, folks, I want to let, let you know, if you're ever bored, 
put on some armor. Life is never boring when you're wearing armor. I, I, that, that, that should be a bumper sticker. Yeah. Yeah. Put on so, some armor. Um, <laughs> then, so there's lots of combat, and they're, they're doing it for points for the different, yeah, different sure. areas across the country. Sure. Um, and if you just go on to YouTube and you type in Penzik, P-E-N-N-S-I-C, mm. um, combat, you'll see tons of YouTube videos of combat. It's kind of fascinating. Then the other thing that Penzik does is there's hundreds uh, hundreds of classes that you can take um, for free. When you, you sign up, you pay to go to the event, and then all the classes are, for the most part, free. And you can learn about medieval beekeeping, medieval shoemaking, how to make a clay bread oven, um, what was, uh, you know, how, how did they make um, lanterns? Um, just, y you name it, uh, there, there are classes in it. The history of, of, of fairies, which are very unlike the Victorian fairies that mm. we know of. Yeah, sure. What is the medieval person's perspective on, on the fae, they're right? basically bad. They're, they're bad, yeah. <laughs> just um, best to stay away from them. You know, we've taken classes on Baba Yaga. Uh, I take a lot of classes on um, uh, Middle Eastern... Eggs. She's got chicken legs. Chicken legs. We have a, a one of the teachers. She says she's. I'm not sure what country she's, she's from, but she's. Um, she says chicken legs, and she gives, she legs. gives the class on Baba Yaga. So she says chicken legs often, which I find funny. Um, but uh, I take a lot of classes in some kind of medieval musical notation, which is kind of uh, very interesting because it's very, it's very loose. You you learn that unlike modern music notation, which is a clear. Um, map of how to play music the early notation is sort of like cheat notes you okay. kind of have to know the melody ahead of time and the notes are sort of like vaguely telling you this note goes up this note goes sort up sort of a like lot. our podcast yeah it's sort of like our podcast so mostly suggestions mostly that, yeah. mostly vague, yeah, suggestions vague suggestions and kind of yeah. ideas of what's going on Did you, so true story of the SCA for you for for I, not for me but a, a person I knew in the SCA yeah. Knew a person in the SCA. So this young lady is in the SCA and she was actually coming back uh, at night in Providence. And she was she was wearing a trench coat over her costume. Mm -hmm. Okay, And her costume consisted of, uh, she was a fighter, so she had a, a chain shirt mm -hmm. and a, um, a sword. And uh, a, an individual approached her and pulled out a knife and told her to give her you know give him her uh, her money she takes off the trench coat armor for all to see draws the sword and the guy goes holy bleeping shit and runs away <laughs> <laughs> is that a true yes, story? It's a true story. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, she had a bigger knife than he did, right? <laughs> no, that's like, a knife. That's a knife. It's so like, my favorite Pendix story is, and then we can wrap this up. My favorite Pendix story is uh, I took a class on the uh, Sutton Who Liar. So Sutton Who is a... Um, Sutton Who? It's S-U-T-T-O-N-H-O-O. Uh, -O -O. It's a Celtic uh, burial mound um, that they found. And... Um, so they found a lot of artifacts in this mound. One of the things they found was a lyre, which is sort of like a primitive harp. And they were able to kind of cobble together and, and figure out how this harp um, was assembled. And uh, so one of the people who teaches at Penzik um, recreated this harp from, did all of the research, uh, you know, about this harp and then recreated one out of wood. Not only did he recreate one, but he recreated about six or eight of these harps. And he created um, one that was made with hand chisels and all made by hand. And the, the, the pegs that the, the strings wrap around were handmade themselves. Okay. And then he's got one all the way at the other end of the range, the eighth one that he made, 
completely made with modern bandsaws and, yeah. and stainless steel machine heads and all these different things. And he made them all in between. And he taught this class to show you if you're interested in studying anything, there's many different ways you mm, can approach sure. it. You can be immerse yourself into it totally in period, yeah. or you could just kind of like, uh. So <clears throat> he gives this class. And at the end of the class, he says, now there's about 25 people in this class. Yeah. He says, now the first eight people that come up can claim a harp and take it. Okay. Yours for free. Okay. All I ask is that next year at Penzik, you find me and play me a song. Okay. And to me, that was the spirit of Penzik. Okay. This guy, yeah. he handmade all of these instruments, gave them away. To good homes. Strictly for the, with, with the intent of, of just spreading knowledge and joy and oh, all that other stuff. And I, I actually was right near one of the harps. It was up front and I could have grabbed one. Why didn't you? And I almost did. And then my head, my head went, this guy's doing I'm something not so. Worthy. No, that's pretty much what it was. I'm not because worthy. Because there are people who approach the SEA and they do what's called the bardic arts, yeah. which is they want to study music in the SEA. Now, I'm not that dedicated. I, I enjoy music, but I'm not like trying to get my next you know, award or whatever uh, for music in the SEA. There are plenty of people in this class that were. And I just thought to myself, let me let someone else take this instrument that might enjoy it more. Um, so that was it, though. But the fact that he gave these things away and all he asked was was for people to come back and show them that they had really dedicated themselves a little bit to this instrument and learned a song, I thought that was just fantastic and amazing. Anyway, so that's that's Penzik. Uh, I'm going to be there um, in a couple of weeks. Um, I will be wearing funny clothes, what I call a man dress, um, which is a med <laughs> it's a medieval gown. It's a one-piece long gown to my ankles. Yeah, you can... Feel free to laugh. Well, you know, um, honestly, I was... Uh, one, it's, it's quite comforting. I was Com playing, uh, Ever, a lot of, I was playing EverQuest, and my character was running it, you know, down, and my brother looks over. He's never seen it before. He goes, why are you wearing a dress? I'm like, it's a robe, damn it. It's a robe. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it's, it's a robe. So, yeah, so that that's um, that's Penzik, and uh, uh, we'll probably talk a little... But when I get back, we'll probably have, we'll have uh, some we'll, stories to we'll, tell. We'll debrief you. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but of course, at Penzik, you don't wear briefs. <laughs> well... What did, actually, I, I just you know more about this than I do. Um, what, what did they wear back then? So did, did, were they called wear, small clothes? What you was would that wear what it was? is or a breech wear, clout, um, um, chausses and braids, and you would wear. Uh, so what you would wear? There's three undergarments that you would wear. Okay. So they, them, so first of all, we've ascertained that back in the medieval period, you did in fact wear underwear. You wore. You definitely wore. Underwear. Definitely wore underwear. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So what you wear? They look like white boxer shorts. Okay. And a white. T uh, baggy T-shirt. I couldn't get down with that. That's okay. Right, and yeah. if you look at, uh, if you just do a, a search for um, medieval peasants paintings, yeah, um, you'll find pictures of peasants out there, and you'll see them, you know, wearing these these clothes. Now, over the the white boxers that came down to your knee, and this white T-shirt, you would wear a tunic. Yeah. And the tunic would be festively colored blue mm, or red yes, or mustard, sure, right. kind of a tunic, and that would probably be made out of wool. Okay. And um. And then on your head, you would wear a coif. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's basically a white piece of cloth. That's it looks like almost like a flight cap that a that a right. pilot would wear. It's it's a piece of cloth that goes white. It yeah. goes over your head, and it has little strings on either side. You can tie. Oh, it on you your know chin. who were those? The the phrase were those. Yes. Yeah. They, absolutely. Those, they, 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 they were leather though. I they think. were leather, but that, yeah. that's a modern. No, they were never made out of leather. Okay, that's, they were just anytime a, you see a fantasy movie, they always make them out of leather because it's right. cool. But so you have a white cap. Oh, and that's a chainmail coif. 
Well, that would was go the thing that we would wear over your head, over as a your chain, head. not as a helmet, but as like a, a, a protective, protective, yeah, yeah right. under the okay. helmet. Yeah. yeah. So you would wear this white cap, a white shirt, and white pants, and then you would wear your clothing over it. Now, sometimes you would wear just that tunic. Sometimes you would wear robes and and many other things. Now, for your on your legs, you would wear hose. No. And basically, what they were, it was a, 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 a legging with the the foot sewn into it, like okay. almost like feety pajamas. Right. And they would go up the not side. Be, I'm not down with that. No, they would go up on one leg. Yeah. And they would tie to the to the uh, the, the the boxer shorts okay. that you would wear up near your hip. So um, and then, so that was the time before garter belts for your for your uh, your pantyhose, basically, right? Correct. Like, They're yeah. called hose. So you yeah. have one in, one on each leg. Yeah. And then your nothing is covering your crotch. Yeah. And then later on, that's what became the um, the cod piece, right? The cod piece would be the part that would cover your crotch. But so the whole point, the whole point of this is yeah. That what what is the point of all? The, you asked about on maybe the I'm underwear. just curious. The whole point of this is that your clothing was very expensive. Okay. The underwear was not. Right. And because you never showered, you needed to protect your clothing from, from you. From you. Okay. From you. So your so your underwear basically was meant to, to withstand all manner of abuses. Exactly. It's yes. white and you can it's easy to clean yeah. and they would bleach it in the sun. Right. And it's easy to tell when it's dirty. Right. And it's it's kept under yeah. your so when it was dirty, it was kept you didn't yeah. really see it. But that was always white and it was and the quaff, the thing on your head was to protect your expensive hat. From your gross head, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's, that's because because of, because back at the time they felt that bathing was decidedly unhealthy. They, yeah, it was, they felt it was, yeah. it was you'll, you'll catch a chill, you'll get the yeah. ague. So here, all right, here's a here's a transition. We'll see if you know, do you know what the horny layer is? Horny layer. You uh, don't. It's funny. It sounds familiar, but I couldn't. So the tell horny you. layer, my understanding, is another weird transition into something strange. Uh, the horny layer is a layer of kind of. Oil and and build up and skin Effluvia. cells on your on your skin yeah. that protects your your skin and you normally have that except modern humans bathe every day it off. but we scrub yeah. it off. So basically, what you're saying it's a protective filth coating. It's a protective filth coating. Okay, yeah. so yeah. And actually, um, this was actually a thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is a, another just a tip from Doctor Smith. Oh, this is just a tip. Just a tip. So me, again, again, medical tips medical, medical given tips by Dr. Smith. Dr. So, Smith. So again, okay. here we are. Just so, a tip so, with Dr. Tyler. So Smith. many people uh, come to me uh, with a condition called otitis externa, which is an infection of the ear canal. Okay, not the drum uh, or the inner ear. It's a, it's a canal infection. It's really a skin infection. Okay, and many people come to me, and it's it's painful. It's disgusting. It hurts. It's it's awful. It doesn't exactly affect your hearing, but it's very very unpleasant. Uh, often called swimmer's ear. And it's caused by um, any kind of skin break that occurs within the ear canal. Now, that can be caused by lots of things. It can be caused by scratching. It can be caused by uh, some people take the pen cap and they ream their ear out. Some people use Q-tips. Q-tips are not as harmless. You know, they look so white and fluffy, but they actually can cause scratches and damage. Or anything. Um, but as a medical tip, um, be sure you don't have eczema in your ears. Many people have eczema, and it's usually on the chest or the elbows or hands or you know wherever. But mo many people don't realize you can get eczema inside your ear canals. And oh if you're God. a person with asthma or other allergies like drug allergies, you're at risk for developing eczema. And if you get in your ears, you will suffer from an almost uncontrollable itch in the ear. You will the 
people have told me they wake up in the middle of the night with their finger in their ear. It's that bad. I mean, it'll mm. wake them up. It's maddening. Uh, and um, it leads to this problem because people scratch, they put their finger in the ear, they do whatever, because they, they almost don't have a choice. It's so unpleasant. And it leads to all kinds of other unpleasant crust formation, uh, you know, the things that you don't want to get into. Yuck. So the, what I tell people now is I said, listen, if you find, particularly say in the summer months or, or whatever, the fall, that you get this increased itching in your ears, go buy some over-the-counter low-potency corticosteroid like uh, hydrocortisone and just put it in there twice a day. And oftentimes that calms down the eczema. Is it, is it a cream or is it's it a, cream. a drop? It's a, yeah, or a, there's a cream, cream, there's ointment either way. Oint, yeah. oint, ointment might actually be a little bit better than cream. Cream yeah. tends to be kind of thin. Mm. Ointment will, has more staying power. And uh, put it in uh, twice a day and usually within literally um, four or five days, the problem goes away. And you won't run the risk of getting this otitis externa. Um, one thing. Uh, wait, wait, risk of getting what? Otitis externa. That's, that's oh, that you said that before. Yeah. Okay. Otitis now, externa. And one thing, though. That it, sounds like, it sounds like a Latin opera or something. It, well, like that. It, it simply just means yeah. ear inflammation on the outside. Yeah. That's how you translate it. But, uh, but the other thing uh, that should be mentioned is uh, when you do decide to treat your ears with steroids, um, you have to stop. You do it until they feel better and then stop and then yeah. resume treatment if it starts up again. Okay. But many, many people have this problem, myself included. And, uh, it's just a nice tip that you can, uh, you can have that. Uh, right. So that, that was just, just the tip. A, just doctors. Just the tip. All right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what? You have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. <laughs> anyway, to say. anyway, okay. how about that local sports team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have, uh, I have a recorder with me. If you wanted me to play the recorder, sure, we can have you play the recorder. All right, but we have to pause while I go and get it. Yeah, that's fine. All right, we can do that. Okay, see, so this turns out to be a impromptu musical episode. Uh, apparently, Greg Fisher carries a recorder everywhere he goes. Uh, it's true. <laughs> uh, just in case he might in need case to I need to bust out the recorder, or or, or lure rats into the sewer. Yeah. Uh, or, so, or so let's do this. So I'll play a little ditty on the recorder just to keep people yeah. from being in suspense, and then I'll talk a little bit about the recorder. So All right. this is my recorder, and I'll play I'll play a little song. I'll, I'll play it. I'm going to uh, play it poorly because I'm not a very good recorder. It's kind of it's kind of bone white. It's about nine inches, maybe ten inches long, yep. and uh, it's got holes in it. And, All right, so uh, here we go. Uh, let's see here. Um. It's a little dingy. Right. Yeah, right? yeah. So um, what I have here is a sopranino recorder. Okay. So Eno, you know, anytime you have an Eno at the end of something, it means small, you know. Okay. So we have a soprano recorder, which is the size of the recorder you played in school. Uh, never, All, did. never did. You you never did. Yeah, but yeah, because um, you had a horrible childhood. Uh, we had music, uh, but I didn't really do much with it. But anyway, so if you've played a recorder in elementary school, hot yeah. cross bonds and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you've played a uh, soprano recorder. This is sopranino, which is slightly smaller. It's the one size smaller than a soprano. Um, this one I think is in the key of F. Um, well, actually, it's chromatic, but um, it's considered in the key of F, and a soprano is in the key of C. So uh, my understanding of that, anyway. So um, <clears throat> uh, so you, you would, not, now, to, to, in defense of the recorder, what happened was, this was a beautiful instrument that was played in a lot of uh, early, early 
um, for a lot of early music. Bach wrote pieces that featured the recorder, and mm-hmm. a, a lot of composers featured uh, uh, the, the recorder. Now it was placed with, the, I think, with the classical, with the classical flute, and other yeah. instruments kind of kind of became more sophisticated and kind of replaced it. Uh, but it was a beautiful instrument that was definitely featured in or highly orchestrated music. Now and, what and happened was now it's a music music uh, class. Uh, somebody thing grabbed that, it and said, "Hey, this will be a great way to teach kids how to play music." And they're not wrong. Yeah. But it's given it a reputation, this reputation. Oh, oh, stop. No, make it right. go away. Stop so it. That's that's what you hear when you hear a kid when you hear a kid play yeah. the it's recorder. Sort of, it's sort of like the second grade rhythm percussion band does Flight of the Bumblebee. It's, that's and you're like, exactly, oh dear God. Yeah, that saved yeah. me from the right. Yeah. So um I enjoy the recorder uh, a lot and I play in in, in when I again we just talked about Penzik, but anytime I do anything in a medieval fair or with, if I somebody's playing the drum or somebody's playing another instrument, you know I can play the recorder. No, I'm not terribly good. I, I play a little ditties to amuse myself, and, yeah. and that's about it. Um, but um, weren't you uh, weren't you in a recorder duel with Satan? <laughs> and you, you that's, ended, right. that's you, where I got this recorder. You walked away with a solid yeah. gold recorder, right? Yeah, and I, your soul. I, I, I did. No, this is this is uh, this recorder is actually it's uh, Satan's thigh bone. Oh, Saint Simon. Yeah, okay, Saint yeah. that's why it sounds yeah. so good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is uh, that's the recorder. I'll play one little ditty uh, out, and uh, and we'll see what happens. I'm going to screw it up, and it'll be fine. No, it's, it's just, yeah, just so you have an idea. Don't crap all over yourself. No, no, no. Just so you have an idea right. of, of what it sounds like, and that, and that's it. So let me see. I got to think of what I'm going to play here. This is um. Let me see here. Very nice. Very so that, nice. That's that was Trotto, right? Yep. Uh, Trotto was a medieval tune, Italian tune, um, and there was a dance associated with it. Okay. So you I felt a, like dancing. You did feel, uh, and you, yeah. yeah, you was, you were dancing on the inside. I was dancing on the tell. inside. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah. By the way, P- Penny found all of this fascinating. Of course. Uh, yeah. She she doesn't understand how sounds like that can come out of a human. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, Tyler's dark Penny is, is definitely definitely freaking definitely taking an interest. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing about the recorder is there's. There's well, at least one size smaller than this called a glarkine. A glarkine. It's called a glarkine, and it is so small. The holes are so close together that I cannot play Only it. Only elves and small children. Can I play cannot it. play it because my fingers, which are not particularly sausage-like, they're they're okay normal well. fingers. They can't, <laughs> thanks, Tyler. They can't they can't get close enough to cover right, the holes are sure. too close together. And then there is so there's uh, glarkine. There's sopranino, soprano. There's um, uh, alto. There's, uh, uh, I guess it's bass. No, not what's, uh, whatever. But they, they'll go up to bass, contrabass, mm. and there are recorders that are taller than you are, Tyler. Okay. They have a special gizmo on the bottom so they can rest on the ground without the hole being Just covered, a, a little, little stand. Macro recorder. Yeah, and so. they're taller than you, and there's actually a, a pipe, sort of like, I guess it's a, what's the, what's the, is it a bassoon? Yeah. That is the pipe. It has a small tube that comes out of the top, and then you blow into you that blow tube, that and that goes over the okay. fipple. Well, this is the largest quarter ever built, about four stories high. I don't. It's quite possible. It's I, don't, I don't. I don't know about the. But but there's one that's you know it's about it's about five five, five feet, feet six feet tall. Good heavens. Um, yeah. So they're kind of a fascinating instrument. It's it's a little uh, unfortunate that they're maligned. They got relegated by their to association that, uh, teaching, to the, yeah. teaching thing. Yep. So well, I. But you know, in a sense, we have to teach music to kids. Something had to take the fall. Yeah. You know, I, I don't mind it because uh, you know that, that's that's kind of that's. It's sort of fine. I mean, it could um, have been the canastas. So if you play the the 
bagpipes yeah. or you play the um Roush Fife if yeah. you're, you're which, which I'll bring in a Roush yeah. Fife in the future yeah. in the future um or saxophone or clarinet all of the techniques of playing it are sort of grounded in what's going on in the recorder so that's the re- that's why you play a recorder mm, before okay. you play these other so instruments. it kind of pre- it prepares you for yeah. using some of the other yeah. okay so uh I don't have a real problem with it um but I I wish people would What just- about the tin whistle so the tin whistle is a pitched instrument. So the tin whistle it only plays the key that it comes in. So if you want to play an instrument in, you know, in a certain key, you need a you need a certain penny whistle. I see. So my the recorder comes in different sizes, but that's for different op, that's for different. Um, it's chromatic, which means that the recorder will play every note in the scale, just like a, every note that you see on a piano, right? But the recorder will only play them in certain certain chunks of the piano so you know f- from here to here whatever you know whatever that is however many 25 keys right the um recorder i'm sorry the penny whistle of those 25 keys it will only play the ones that represent the key of c and the key uh, of, sorry the key okay. of d and maybe the key of g and eliminates there are a lot of notes that are not available it's a non-chromatic okay. instrument so if so you, there's much more range there's and, this and is and chromatic so this okay. has basically it's like a piano it's every note on the scale right, right. Record, I mean, uh, penny whistles are pitched. Now, penny whistles, if you really want to play, uh, learn to play an instrument, penny whistle is much easier to play than the recorder. Mm-hmm. The, f- the fingering on it is much more straight. Sorry about the word fingering, but yeah, the a- fingering on it is much more straightforward than it is on the recorder, which the the fingering can get slightly more complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's that's the that's the tin whistle. All right. And the and the recorder. Thank you for listening to the Pretend to Imagine podcast with Tyler and Greg. We hope you enjoyed listening to me play the recorder. I did, and uh, so did Penny. Yeah, I think that well, enjoy. How about tolerate? We we hope you tolerated me playing the recorder. It's, yeah. um, it's something I do for myself, and, and you know, no, it's not really a, for public consumption, but I do that. So uh, we hope you enjoyed learning about the recorder. Uh, learned about uh, our, our diets, and we learned about uh, ear 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 problems, ear problems, yep. and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, what else have we learned? Uh, Penzik. We talked Penzik. about Penzik. Oh, oh, we talked about Penzik. And the Society for Creative Anachronism. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of a bizarre topic. I hope that you enjoyed listening. Well, if anybody has any questions about that, you know, you can feel yeah. free to, to email us at podcast at pretend to imagine.com. <laughs> you say that completely differently than everything else. Which, you just which, kept... which, in addition, is at the end of this when I when you hear me have my bouncy. Yeah, so if, uh, if you forget it, after the theme song. The, the post-outro be, outro the, that we always yeah, do. The yeah, post-outro. Yeah. Right. yeah, so anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast and uh, keep on listening. And uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, recommend us to your friends and family. Give us those five-star ratings yeah. if you and can. email us with questions Email yeah, us we'd with love suggestions. To, yeah, in all, in all seriousness, folks, we would love uh, to do suggestions, uh, you know, as topics. Uh, so if you guys want us to talk about things we know a little bit about, or even a lot about, or uh, we'll make it up, we'll we'll do research, whatever. But we we can uh, we can we can do that. So, yeah. all right. Good night, everybody. This has been another episode of Pretend to Imagine. For questions or comments, please email us at podcast at pretendtoimagine.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at pretendtoimagine. And visit our website at, you guessed it, pretendtoimagine.com. Produced by Tyler Smith and Greg Fisher. Web design and tech support by Small Hall Studios. Audio by Mitch Myers. Music by Greg Fisher. Editing by Tyler Smith. 
please check us out on iTunes and Stitcher and give us a five-star rating if you enjoy our podcast. Thanks and happy pretending.